0: To the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer. Heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. Uh, since last week I talked about the first slasher film, arguably the first slasher film, which is 1974's Black Christmas, I thought it might be um, a good idea to check out another Canadian offering. In fact, it's one of the few Canadian horror franchises. I don't remember. I was trying to think if there was another one. I'm thinking it's Snaps Canadian. I know we already reviewed Ginger Snaps. That's the only one. Uh, but anyway, we are talking about Prom Night. There are five movies total in this franchise. And before I started this research, I only knew of two of them. So the first Prom Night and then the second one were the only ones I knew about. Also, just to make it confusing, there are at least two other movies that have the same name that are not part of this franchise. There's a a movie called Prom Night from 2017 about parents trying to get a handle on their kids during Prom Night. And then there's a short film from 2016 by Lou Steffen that's listed on Rotten Tomatoes um it's about uh, lgbtq experience in uh going to prom so those are not part of this franchise so of the five movies that are part of this franchise the first one prom night from 1980 directed by paul lynch produced by peter r simpson screenplay by william gray story by robert Zaza Jr., starring Jamie Lee Curtis, and of course, we talked about her when we did Halloween a couple of weeks ago. Leslie Nielsen, obviously a household name, done airplane, naked gun, creep show, lots of other stuff. Music by Paul Zaza, and he often worked with Bob Clark, who is the director for Black Christmas, on his projects. He also did the music for his A Christmas Story, My Bloody Valentine, etc. He scored some 100 movies, and he worked on the music for this one with Carl Zittrer. So that's the first movie. The second movie is actually called Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, instead of Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou. And in fact, Rotten Tomatoes has this movie listed as The Haunting of Hamilton High. It's from 1987. There are seven, mo- So that was seven years after the first movie came out. Uh, it's directed by Bruce Pittman, again produced by Paul R. Simpson, written by Ron Oliver. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Again, starring Michael Ironside. He's another household name. Uh, you've seen him in Scanners, Total Recall, V, the TV series, lots of stuff. Also starring Wendy Lyon as Vicky, Lisa Scragg as Mary Lou, and Justin Lewis. Music is, again, by Paul Zaza. The third movie is Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, from 1989, so two years later. This is considered a spoof of the first two movies in a Zahora comedy. Uh, Director, written and produced by Ron Oliver, which we just talked about a second ago. Also produced by Alana Frank and Ray Sager, starring Tim Conlon who plays Alex, Cindy Preston, who plays Sarah, Courtney Taylor, who is a different actress playing Mary Lou, and music is again by Paul Zaza. Prom Night 4, Deliver Us from Evil from 1992, so three years later, directed by Clay Boris, produced by Roy Sager, written by Richard Beattie, starring Nicole DeBoer as Megan, you'll remember her when we covered, uh, when we did the Cube franchise, she's also been on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, J.H. Wyam as Mark, Joy Tanner as Laura, uh, Allie Gladman as Jeff, and James Carver plays the villain Father Jonas. Music is, again, by Paul Zaza. Uh, Prom Night 2008. So, this is a remake. It's 16 years after the last Prom Night movie. Directed by Nielsen McCormick. Produced by Neil H. Morris and Toby Jaffe. Written by J.S. Corden. Starring Brittany Snow. Do you remember her from lots of stuff? Pitch Perfect. Uh, Scott Porter, Jessica Straub, James Ranson, and Idris Elba who is probably most famous for the Luther BBC Luther series, but he's been in tons of stuff. I really like him. And music by Paul Hassinger. Where to watch these movies? Well, Shudder and Tubi had the first two movies for free, as do Voodoo, Crackle, and Peacock. Um, they are on the other services, YouTube and Google Play, for $3 each. Netflix has the 2008 remake. Amazon Prime has Prom Night 4 for free. The remake is listed as $6. And the other two movies, the first two movies are also available on IMDb channel. And the third movie is Harder to Find. Uh, there's a free copy on YouTube. That's the one I watched. Um, doesn't seem to be listed anywhere else. If you really want to, To see these and you can't find them anywhere else, you can buy a copy of three and four together on Amazon for $40 for the DVDs. And none of these are on Hulu. Rotten Tomatoes scores. First prom night. Critics gave it a 48. Audiences a 35. Should come as no surprise that well, no, that's not the highest rank for everybody. So, Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou, critics gave it a 53, audiences gave it a 37. So, that's the highest rank for critics, is the second movie. The highest rank for audiences is, surprisingly, the reboot. Uh, So, Prom Night 2008 remake, critics gave it a 7%, single digit, audiences gave it a 38%. So... The remake audiences like better than the original, which they gave a 35%. And then Prom Night 3 and 4, most people consider pretty bad. The critics did not rate Prom Night 3. Audiences gave it a 15%. They also didn't rate Prom Night 4, and audiences gave it a 13%. Now, onto the plot. Uh, I'll read the IMDb summary and then just talk about the plot a little bit. So, first Prom Night... IMDb says, at a high school senior prom, a mass killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years previously. So the plot is pretty straightforward. So there's a couple of kids. And that's Nick, Wendy, Jude, and Kelly, and they're playing in an old abandoned building, and they're saying playing something called kill. Or they just yell kill at random kids, so... They kind of harass this girl, Robin, that's there and they corner her and she's scared and she ends up falling out of uh, one of the windows and falling to the ground and dying. So all of the kids at that point agree not to tell anyone what happened. So they're keeping this secret. And then fast forward a couple years, it's prom night. All the kids are attending, including uh, Kim, who's played by Jamie Lee Curtis, her boyfriend Nick, who is one of that group, and Kim's principal father, Leslie Nielsen. The dead girl is Kim's sister, so Kim's younger sister. Meanwhile, uh, a killer has escaped the asylum, and he's the guy who was blamed for the murder of the girl Robin, even though he didn't do it and all these kids did it. Like Black, Black Christmas, there's some weird crank calls going on to all the main characters. And, interestingly, there is a dance number in the middle of this movie. So, it's a disco hit um, named, fittingly, Prom Night. So, more on that in a little bit, but that's kind of a strange thing to throw in a movie. Uh, The story, to be honest, is pretty slow. The first girl doesn't even get killed until three-fourths of the way through the movie. Um, So, it's pretty slow. In the end, the killer is revealed to be, and I don't know if you could guess this or not ahead of time, but it's Kim's brother, Alex, who was the fraternal twin of Robin. So he's trying to kill all of those kids that were responsible for her death. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis ends up whacking him in the head, not knowing who he is, and then he dies in her arms. So now Kim is down two siblings, and that's the end of the movie. Um, yeah, like I said, pretty slow. Most people probably watched it for Jamie Lee Curtis. Now to Prom Night 2, which I said is really named. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. IMDb says the malevolent spirit of Mary Lou Maloney returns to Hamilton High, where she manipulates a naive male student. No, wrong, 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 wrong. That's three. Let me back up. IMDB says Prom Night 2, hello Mary Lou, 30 years after the accidental death at her 1957 senior prom, the tortured spirit of prom queen Mary Lou Maloney returns to seek revenge. So this movie has nothing to do with the original story doll except it takes place at the same high school. In 1957, Mary Lou is living her best life. She does pretty much whatever she wants to, and uh, likes to taunt... Uh, priests uh, during her confession with her uh, crazy carefree ways, and she is about to be crowned prom queen. But her jealous boyfriend, Billy, wants to teach her a lesson for cheating with another guy. And another guy incidentally be- ends up becoming a priest. Um, and so Billy throws a stink bomb down on top of her from the catwalk while she's being crowned queen, and her... Clothes catch fire, her prom dress, and she burns to a crisp and dies there. And um, nobody even tries to help her. So she dies. Fast forward 30 years. Good girl Vicki is going to also attend the prom. And meanwhile, the spirit of Mary Lou is unleashed somehow. It has something to do with a crown in a storage locker in the school's prop department. I don't know the specifics of that. But Mary Lou gradually takes possession of Vicky's body. She almost offs Vicky, Vicky's boyfriend, Craig, who, interestingly, is Billy's son. And Billy is now the principal at that high school. So in the end, Billy's friend that Mary Lou cheated with, it was a priest, ends up getting killed. And then Vicki is about to be crowned uh prom queen and then um all hell breaks loose billy knows what's going on so he's trying to stop her mary lou is vanquished because billy crowns her with the crown and then kisses her and because of that she apparently leaves vicky's body so vicky and boyfriend craig survive and then michael ironside who's billy uh offers to give them a lift in the car after the ordeal but once they get in the car. He turns on the radio and they see Mary Lou's ring on his finger and it turns out he is possessed by Mary Lou instead. So we're not sure what happens to those two. They never show up in any later movies. Now, Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. That's part of what I already read a second ago. The malevolent spirit of Mary Lou Maloney returns to Hamilton High where she manipulates a naive male student into helping her wreak havoc on the school. This time around, Mary Lou is played by a different actress. And in the beginning scene, Mary Lou is shackled to something in hell where her and a number of other women are forced to, I don't know, do dance numbers, jazzercise, exercise. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, and then she ends up coming back to Earth, and she has her heart set on a new boyfriend, one of the students named Alex. And I'm not sure what it is up with Mary Lou wanting to stay at the high school. I think if you uh, came back to life, you, I would find better things to do than hang out at the high school. But that's just me. Uh, Mary Lou kills anyone who gets in a conflict with Alex. So she kills a science teacher. She kills a guidance counselor, a guy in the football team, etc., and Alex has to clean up all the bodies and he buries them in the football field because, you know, nobody's going to look there for any dead bodies. And when he tries to get away from Mary Lou, she gets very upset. Um, at one point, Alex, his girlfriend Sarah, and Mary Lou end up back in hell and there's a bunch of fighting going on. All the previous characters that have gotten killed end up in hell and they all look like zombies and they're chasing them around. And... They eventually escape um, in a car. So you think the coast is clear and Mary Lou has stayed in hell, but nope. What we end up finding out is that all of this was orchestrated by Mary Lou. She kills Sarah in a grisly way, and then Alex finds out he's actually back in the 1950s. I gotta say, I didn't see that part coming, that might have been an actual interesting storyline for Alex to go back into the past and try to change what happened to Mary Lou so he could escape her. Unfortunately, we don't see any of that. That's just the final scene where he realizes he's at a car hop, and that's the end to him. Prom Night 4, Deliver Us From Evil, IMDb says... Four students ditch their high school prom for a party at a summer home, unaware that a psychotic priest is on the loose, determined to punish sinners. Again, this has zero to do with the Mary Lou storyline of two or three. And while Mary Lou apparently was being set on fire in 1957, this priest was toasting a couple of kids who were having good time in the backseat of a car. Instead of reporting him to the police... The church puts him in a coma for 20 years and puts him in the sub-basement of this, I guess, seminary. And the guy that was supposed to look over him all of those years is close to death, and so they hire a new guy to um, try to keep him under wraps, and they have to keep him sedated and bound on a bed, and he's got a big bushy beard. But of course he ends up breaking out, he kills that priest. Um, the bad guy is called his name is Father Jonas, and then he goes on the lamb back to the house where he originally lived, where we saw him at the beginning of the movie. He was in the basement uh whipping whipping himself in the back, I think, with a cat of nine tails and um that sort of stuff. So he's going back there. Unfortunately, that house is now the summer home of one of the guys in these two couples that ditched the prom to go there. So you can imagine what happens. Um, the two couples are getting ready to have sexy times, and then the priest shows up, kills some kid outside, then kills, um, gradually kills everybody in those couples except for one person. The final girl in this movie is Megan. And then it looks like she might get the best, uh, the better of father, Jonas, but, in the end, when they're both being put into an ambulance, you see that he's still alive, and both of them open their eyes up at the same time and This hints that there might be some sort of psychic connection between the two, I think I'm not sure, but um, this movie uh funny part was Father Jonas never aged all those years uh when they had him tied up, and um yeah. Uh, he asked, The guy was a pretty good villain, though. I think his name, is it James Carver who plays him? Uh, he was a pretty good villain. Uh, the story was just kind of lame, but I think he would be I'd be interested in watching him and other stuff. Now, on to the last movie of the series, Prom Night, 2008 remake. IMDb says Donna Senior Prom is supposed to be the best night of her life, though a sadistic killer from her past has different plans for her and her friends. So, an obsessed teacher is after Brittany Snow, who's the main character, Donna. He kills her parents and her brother while she hides under bed at the beginning of the movie. Fast forward, I think, three years. He escapes from jail and heads back to town to get Brittany because he's still obsessed with her, and this time around, the prom is held at a hotel instead of a school gymnasium. And it should come as no surprise. Their friends are picked off one by one. Idris Elba, who is a detective here, tries to hunt the killer down. I uh, wonder if he fired his agent after this movie because he doesn't have much to do and this movie is not very good. I really wasn't interested in any of the characters. Um, we know who the killer is right off the bat, so there's no surprise there. The blood in the movie looks really, really hokey. This reminds me of another Lifetime movie, as I said last week, about those movies instead of an actual horror movie. So, on to trivia. General trivia, and then there's uh, quite a bit about the first movie, and then the last movie's not so much. So, generally, the genres of these movies are all over the place. The first one is a teen slasher movie. The second one is a ghost possession movie. The third one is a horror comedy. And the fourth one is a priest seeking revenge um, movie. And, of course, the fifth one is just a remake. These films have nothing in common with each other except for, as I said previously, Hamilton High School. There is a line that appears in all four movies, though. And the line is, it's not who you come with, it's who takes you home. So that's interesting that they put those in all, all four movies. Also, uh, the other thing that's similar is the actor Brock Simpson, who played young Nick in the first movie, appears in all four movies. He is the son of um, the producer, and that's probably why. So, um, Peter Simpson, he's Peter Simpson's son. So, in the first movie, he was young Nick. In the second movie, he's the teenager that's supposed to change the prime queen winner results, um, that gets fried by the computer, and the third one, he's a cop investigating all of the deaths at the high school, and the fourth one, he is the priest who is killed, and he's the one that's supposed to take care of Father Jonas, so those are really the similarities in all the movies. The first prom queen movie, prom night movie, a uh, budget of 1.5 million, box office of 14.8 million, so it did pretty well. In one of several scenes removed from the theatrical version of the movie, Principal Hammond, Leslie Nielsen, takes his wife to visit Dr. Fairchild after a visit to Robin's resting place at the cemetery. As Vivian is seated in the office and the men talk privately in the hallway, it is revealed that Robin and Alex are twins. Which I must say, I didn't know that. Maybe they said it during the movie, the theatrical version, and I didn't notice it, but I didn't know that until the end of the movie. According to director Paul Lynch in the documentary Going Places, the rise and fall of the slasher film, he was having difficulty securing financing until Jamie Lee Curtis signed on. Once the film was shot, Paramount expressed interest in distributing the movie. However, they only wanted to open it in 300 theaters, whereas Avco Embassy Pictures offered to release it in 1,200 theaters. Avco Embassy released it as a result The same year, Paramount released another independent slasher, a little movie called Friday the 13th. Jamie Lee Curtis did all of her own stunts and all of her own dancing in this movie. And according to the Blu-ray commentary by director Paul Lynch, the van that goes off the cliff in the movie was actually stolen by the stunt coordinator. That's pretty funny. According to Paul Zaza, the prom scene was shot with actual disco music that the production company later realized they could not afford the rights to because it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. This gave Zaza a week and a half to create similar original disco sounds for the movie that were close, so close actually they got sued, but not so close um, that whoever sued them would win. Prom Night was filmed over 24 days in Toronto, Ontario, Canada from August 7th to September 13th, 1979. The Don Mills Collegiate Institute serves as the main school location, while the Langstaff Jail Farm in Richmond Hill was used for the abandoned building, featured prominently in the movie's beginning. The original version of this movie was given a PG rating, but the studio was afraid No one would see a PG slasher movie, so they upped the violence to get the movie to an R rating. Interestingly, the first slasher film to be rated rated PG was Tourist Trap, also from 1979, which was released a year before this movie. Ironically as well, the American remake Prom Night became one of the few slasher films in history to be rated PG-13, which, to be honest, is probably why I didn't like it, because it... Really wasn't very gory. According to a documentary called The Horrors of Hamilton High, uh Eve Plum, you remember her as Jan Brady from the Brady Bunch, was all set to play Kim. At the last minute, Jamie Lee Curtis uh expressed interest and they went with her instead. So poor Jan Plum. Of course, uh she didn't have quite the star power. Jamie Lee did coming off of Halloween. And uh, not sure we'd be talking about this movie if Jamie Lee hadn't been in it. Casey Stevens had trouble keeping up with Jamie Lee Curtis during the filming of the dance scenes as she was a well-trained dancer who did all of her own dance moves while he was inexperienced. A dance double had to be used for Stevens when the dancing got too difficult for him. When the raspy voice caller in the room dials the residences of June, Kelly, Nick, and Wendy, respectively, the area code on the rotary phone, remember those, begins with 614. Of course, this movie was shot in Canada. They don't have a 614 area code. That's the area code for Columbus, Central Ohio. As gym teacher Henri on Benton is giving decorating instructions to biology teacher Monty Weller in the gym and Kim runs in. She apologizes for being late and Mr. Weller calls her the literary Miss Hammond. This is related to one of several scenes deleted from the theatrical version but returned on the network TV version of the movie when the girls are dissecting frogs and are caught sneaking Jude's note about her last minute prom date slick. Mr. Weller wrongfully accuses Kim of possessing the note and forces her to read it to the entire class. This movie is also one of the only slasher movies with a sympathetic killer. Gene Siskel called this a watered-down version of Halloween crossed with Carrie. Another critic called it a combination of Friday the 13th and Saturday Night Fever, which is pretty funny. Director Paul Lynch originally conceived a movie about a psychotic gynecologist to cash in on Halloween, but instead... Uh, was told that the movie would be distasteful and retooled it into this movie. Yeah, I'm not sure about a psychotic gynecologist. That's a little gross. The main plot about four children committing a horrible sin and all swearing to secrecy only to be stalked years later by a vengeful killer would later be used as the plot for another franchise we already covered, I Know What You Did Last Summer, from 1997. Casey Stevens, who plays Jamie Lee Curtis' boyfriend, the older Nick character, would only do one more movie after this. Threshold from 1981, he tragically died of age-related illness in 1986 as his acting career was beginning to take off. So that's sad. I already said that the guy that played young Nick, Brock Simpson, is the son of... Peter R. Simpson, and Brock appears in all four movies. Prom Night would not be the only movie actress Jamie Lee Curtis and Anne-Marie Martin would star in together. Jamie would reprise her role as Laurie Strode in Halloween Two, and Anne-Marie would play Darcy, Nurse Karen's friend, in the movie that is promised to ride home from the party at Steve Mackey's house. The latter was uncredited for her brief appearance. Director Paul Lynch developed Prom Night after a meeting with producer Erwin Yoblins from Halloween. Lynch had wanted to work on a horror movie in response to Yoblins' suggestion. He would use a holiday as the basis for the movie. Lynch declined on building the premises around... Oh, Lynch decided on building the premises around the high school prom. Both Carrie and Prom Night have revenge stories which take place at a prom, and both with a sympathetic killer who gets revenge for a vicious prank. This movie was much more artfully done than Friday the 13th, which came out the same year, and of course is also a holiday-themed movie, along with Halloween. Um, but for some reason, Friday the 13th became a phenomenon, and we already covered that franchise and all its many... Uh, movies, uh, whereas this movie is much lesser known and did not have the same impact. In the series episode Bumpy the Vampire Slayer the Prom from 1999, one of the movies that Tucker Wells uses to train the hellhounds to attack people wearing formal wear is Prom Night. Both Jamie Lee and Leslie Nielsen starred with Adrian Barbeau, who was married to John Carpenter in two separate horror movies, Curtis in the Fog from 1980, the same year as the movie, as this movie, and Nielsen in Creepshow from 1982, but neither shared a scene with Adrian Barbeau. Uh, I had this listed here, but I don't know how this would work. A Michael Myers cameo was filmed, but edited out for the theatrical version. Not sure what that would mean. Uh, body count in this is eight people, Robin Hammond, an unnamed nurse, Kelly Lynch, Jude Cunningham, Seymour Slick Crane, Wendy Richards, and Lou Farmer, and lastly, Alex Hammond. There were deleted scenes of Leslie Nielsen talking morosely about his daughter's death to a doctor, which I mentioned before, and also scenes of him chopping wood that were meant to point him out as a suspect. There are also deleted scenes of a psychiatrist informing Leslie that his wife had serious problems, not just depression over her daughter's death, and another scene with her looking at a picture of Robin on the wall surrounded by flowers, which was meant to make her look like a suspect. There was also a scene with Leslie speaking to a psychiatrist about Robin's death and its impact on Kim, how she gets depressed from time to time, and how Robin and Alex were twins, but Alex doesn't remember the death at all. I think it would have been better if they really had spent some time on each of the people in the movie and how they could have been a suspect. It would have made it more suspenseful. Nick is the only one of the four targets who doesn't answer the phone. He winds up being the only survivor. And more similarities with Carrie... As I said, both of these are revenge movies that take place at the prom. Um, Both have pranks at the beginning. Also, like Carrie, in the movie, the prom queen is supposed to be victimized by a stage prank. As with Carrie, you have a fake prom king and queen standing in for the real king and queen, but whereas in Carrie, the prom queen ends up being victimized at the prom. She's drenched in pig blood. In the movie, the prom king gets victimized In prom night and he is decapitated. Now on to prom night two. Hello Mary Lou. The phone number Mary Lou writes on the confessional booth for a good time was actually screenwriter Ron Oliver's home phone number at the time. At the time of the filming, Mary Lou's death was the longest running fire stunt in any movie. Almost every character in the film shares a last name with a cult film director, especially horror directors such as Wes Craven, Stephen King, George a. Ramirez, Todd Browning, Joe Dante, John Carpenter, John Waters, and Frank, I can't say his last name, uh, Lauder. Written and filmed as The Haunting of Hamilton High, the name was changed to Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 by the Samuel Goldwyn Company who purchased it and decided to market it as a sequel. The similarities to the original Prom Night, such as the name of the school and the line, It's Not Who You Go uh, With, It's Who Takes You Home, are also added during reshoots. When tasked with directing reshoots, first-time director Ron Oliver Called Wes Craven for some advice on directing a teen horror film. His advice was, quote, give them a scare, give them a hard-on, and send them home. Though the movie was filmed in 1987, relics of the movie can still be seen at the junior high school where it was filmed. Uh, after filming was completed, the executive producer declared that the film didn't work and hired screenwriter Ron Oliver to rewrite and reshoot several sequences for one week at the cost of $100,000. This included the climax of the locker scene death, which is pretty cool, and the rocking horse with a tongue, also pretty cool, and the chalkboard whirl- whirlpool. I thought those actually those three scenes were actually the pretty much some of the highlights of the movie, so uh, I enjoyed the practical effects on those. And that rocking horse with his tongue sticking out was pretty <laughs> pretty weird. In <laughs> uh, one of the few positive reviews of the film, the LA Times called it, quote, the blue velvet of high school horror movies. Kelly, played by Terry Hawkes, is drinking Diet Pepsi in almost every scene she appears in. The sequence with Wendy Lynn Wendy Lyon running around the locker room, fully nude, wasn't written as such. In the script, it was implied that she would be wearing a towel. Screenwriter Ron Oliver was startled to see the final scene as it appeared. Yeah, I wasn't sure why she was running around naked either. Um, Mary Lou is the only character to appear in more than one prom night, and of course she's in two. Steve Atkinson, young Bill, or Billy, played the younger version of Michael Ironside in this movie. They worked again in the same manner in Minefield from 1989. The poster for the film is the main inspiration of the album art for Metalcore Band, Falling in Reverse's 2011 album, The Drug in Me is You. Featuring the lead singer's ex-girlfriend, Mandy Murgers, in a locker with her arms crossed, arose between them wearing a prom dress, tiara, and white gloves. Okay, I don't know who that is at all, uh, but all right. Both Wendy Lyon, who played Vicky, and Terry Hawks, who played Kelly, voice characters for the English dub of Sailor Moon. Uh, the real Vicky didn't wear any eyeshadow or lipstick and only wears pink nail polish. When Vicky has been possessed by Mary Lou, she wears Mary Lou's favorite makeup style, which includes coral lipstick, red nail polish, and dark eyeshadow. Now on to Prom Night 3. The film was financed by Live Entertainment, owned by Jose Menendez. The Thursday before production was to commence, writer-director Ron Oliver went to dinner with Menendez, including his wife and two children, Eric and Lyle. The following Monday, Ron learned production had been delayed due to the murder of Jose and Kitty Menendez, which, as you will recall, was by their two sons, Eric and Lyle. Filming was pushed back for two weeks. So that's a strange true crime um, crossover there. Um, Ron Oliver wrote both screenplays for Hello Mary Lou Night 2 and Night Through the Last Kiss at the same time, um, in the hopes that if the first one did well, then they would go with a sequel. At the time, the scripts were titled The Haunting of Hill, High, Hill Hamilton High and The Haunting of Hamilton High 2 because they initially weren't intended to have any connection with Promenade. Ron Oliver was selected to write direct several episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark after the creators of the show saw the movie and thought he would do well working with a low budget. Um, very little trivia for Prom Night 4. Uh, during the car ride, several characters ex- explained Cheers, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, for some reason during the movie, and of course, Jamie Lee Curtis was in the first movie. Um, on to the remake of Prom Night. The budget was $20 million. The box office was $57.2 million. Aside from the title and concept of teenagers being stalked by a killer, the film shares no connection to the original movie. Scott Taylor Compton, who was Laurie and... Also played by Jamie Lee Curtis in the original <coughs> Halloween was Laurie Strode in Rob Zombie's Halloween. She was considered for the role of Donna before Britney Snow was cast. Jessica Stroop, who's a screen queen in her own right, who's been in uh The Hills Have Eyes 2, uh Vampire Bats, um, etc. She and Britney Snow became close friends on the set of the film. And I already talked about Tourist Trap uh being one of the few early uh PG-13 horror movies. There's also a movie called Cry Wolf which was edited to be PG-13. Um and then When a Stranger Calls is also PG-13. So the remake of Prom Night is one of the few PG-13 movies that's out there. Uh, Some of the PG-13 movies uh, would eventually be released as uncut R versions elsewhere. During the scene at the hair salon, the original Myers House from the original Halloween can be seen outside the window. Scott Porter is seven years older than Brittany Snow, who, while playing high school seniors who are the same age. Dana Davis, who plays Lisa, is playing the on screen best friend of Brittany, uh, is actually eight years older than her. And Jonathan, um, I say his last name, S C H A E C H, who plays Richard, and Jana Kramer, who plays April, met on the set of the movie and were married in 2010. James Ranson and the eldest Alba would both go on to be in the series The Wire from 2002, although they never shared a scene. Here they played detectives. Um, Dylan Walsh was considered for the role of Uncle Jack. He would eventually collaborate with Nelson McCormick on The Stepfather from 2019, which is another franchise that we covered. Jessalyn Gilsage appeared in the PG-13 horror remake Stepfather, which also written, again, by J.S. Cordon. Jessica Stoop, Kelly Blatz, Kellen Lutz, and Jane Kramer all starred in 90210 from 2008. Stroop served as one of the main characters for the entire run of the series, and the others were all guest stars. Also, Brittany Snow... Breanne Davis and Jesselyn Gilsage all appear in Nip Tuck from 2003. Davis only appeared once on the show as a guest, while Gilsage and Snow had recurring roles. <coughs> Despite sharing the scenes together in the movie, uh, Jonathan, uh, well, we, already tried, we spelled his name a second ago, and Breanne Davis, who played Chrissy, were both later appear as a couple in the horror movie Breaking at the Edge from 2013. Lori Herring appears in the movie as Mrs. Kreppel. Hearing was cast as she frequently appeared in screenwriter J.S. Cordone's movies. Vanessa Hutchins and uh, Fernanda Romero turned down roles in this movie. And both Jessica Strope and Idris Alba starred in This Christmas from 2007. Um. Body count here, 14, including uh, people in the flashback, so the father, brother, and mother from the flashback, then the maid, then Michael, then the bellhop, Lisa, guy in the trunk, Nash, Bobby, cop outside the house, the killer, and 14, the inmate when Fenton escapes. Um, okay, that's really it for that trivia. Why should you watch these movies? Well, as I've said from some of the other franchises we've covered, I'm not sure you should. Um, these movies, they aren't horrible. I've seen worse, but they really don't add anything to, I don't think, the horror genre as a whole. Um, if you're a big fan of Jamie Lee like I am, you might want to watch the first movie, um, which I watched that, and then I rewatched Terror Train yesterday too. Um, so I think I've covered all the horror movies Jamie Lee has been in, except uh haven't rewatched The Fog in a while. Otherwise I would say skip all of these movies. If you want some sort of prom revenge movie, watch Carrie instead. Um You know i mean like i said i've seen worse but you know it's a if you want to blow a couple hours they're fine to watch but not really that great on to the recipe there's a recipe called prom night which will remind you of prom night because it is uh tastes like spiked fruit cocktail so this is from the website allrecipes.com all included here very very simple It has one ounce of vodka, one ounce of coconut rum, two ounces of cranberry raspberry juice, and then you measure the rum, uh, vodka, and cranberry juice into a cocktail shaker, add a generous scoop of ice, cover and shake until frosty about 30 seconds, and strain into a martini glass to serve. So that's the prom night cocktail. And lastly, where to find us. We're on iTunes, Spotter, and Stitchify. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or visit our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. So that's it for this week. Uh, Remember, stay safe. Wear a mask. It's not much to ask. Um, And we'll talk to you next week. Until then, bye.